So this year, maybe a chance. We're going to circle back, Mexican Villa, and we're going to worship Christ. Can't wait. Look forward to being with y'all. Guys, it's going to be awesome. We can't wait for conference. It's, uh, we truly do believe that one weekend can um, set a trajectory for the next season uh, in your life spiritually. And so we want to invite you uh, to be there. And it's going to be um, a lot of fun as well. And I don't know about y'all, but I went through the whole day today thinking that it was Monday and it is Tuesday. Don't know if anyone can relate to me on that, but we're glad you're here and that you remembered it was Tuesday, everybody joining us online. We wanna say welcome. I wanna encourage you, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, go ahead and pull that out. Click the three lines in the bottom right-hand corner, the More tab, and you can search for High Street Young Adults. You should see it on there. And you can follow along sermon notes with us. We do that every week. We want to invite you um, to do that. We're continuing in our What's Really Going On series. And the idea of this series is that we have circumstances and situations in our lives that drive thoughts and feelings. And these thoughts and feelings result in actions. And today, we're going to be talking about what's really going on when you feel unconfident or when you feel a lack of confidence. Very uplifting topic, right? But I I think it's one that uh, is important and one that we need to address. Like what is really happening, especially what's happening spiritually when we feel a lack of confidence. And so uh, I'll tell you about a story um, whenever I lacked confidence and any fantasy football people in the room, some of y'all might have a draft tonight. Uh, It's kind of that time of year. If you didn't know, The NFL season starts Thursday. Can I get an amen? We got Rams and Bill starting it off. It's gonna be great. If you don't care about that, that's cool too. We're glad you're here. Um, And so, um, and so when, whenever I, I think about fantasy football, I have kind of a memory that's funny, but also kind of painful. I was in a fantasy football league with 11 other guys who I really respected. Uh, I looked up to, I was kind of the young guy in the room and it was kind of a, a new group of guys. And you know, when you, when you meet someone new, I don't know if you're like me, you wanna be well-spoken and you wanna be like, you know, I wanted to, uh, to be in good standing with these guys. And there was one guy in this group, I kind of knew everybody else, but there was one guy in this group named Brad who not everybody knew and uh, I had never met him before so everyone's going around and saying hey my name's such and such and I'm such and such it gets to me and I go hey my name's Brad my name's not Brad and so in front of okay I'm Logan and uh, I, I called myself Brad to Brad Y'all can feel how awkward it is right now, right? And so then everybody's laughing, you know, but I remember that because I felt so, I felt so dumb. And I remember like, I, I felt like a lack of confidence because of that. And I won't tell you about the time uh, I asked a girl, she said she had a twin brother and I asked her, you guys fraternal or identical? I won't tell you about that time, um, but some of y'all are gonna catch that later. Uh, but we have things and it's like, sometimes it's funny when we lack confidence or like you have those funny moments that cause us to lack confidence maybe, but uh, it gets really unfunny very quickly when we think about like being in a situation that has impacted us where we have low self-esteem, kind of doubting our self-worth, kind of doubting our confidence. And I would say in this generation, in this room, that it's very likely that there's some people, we've got some serious struggles with this. I don't know if you've ever looked in the mirror and thought, man, I'm ugly. Like, I don't like the way I look. And like, that's heavy, but I think it's a reality for a lot of people. Or 
you know, there's always these things that we can be unconfident about. Maybe it's our physical appearance. We're not tall enough. We're too tall. We're, we're too thin. We're too heavy. Uh, you know, we wish we had better hair. Or uh, I look at some guys and I'm like, man, I wish I had that flow like they've got, you know. Uh, whatever it is. And, and we look at these physical attributes and characteristics. And sometimes we feel less than when compared to other people. And maybe it's beyond physical. Maybe you hate your personality. Maybe you don't really like the uh, skill set that God gave you and it's like, why is this person so talented and I'm not? Or maybe you have talents in an area, but you wish you were somebody else. And there's so many things that can cause us to lack confidence. And here's what I, I know that lacking confidence, it can happen in any season, okay? And I remember distinctly being a freshman on the campus of Missouri State University. The girl I had dated in high school had broken up with me. I had severe like acne and I, I just felt like I looked too young to be there and I felt like I didn't fill it in. I didn't know what my social circle was like anymore. And I remember distinctly how much I lacked confidence in that moment. You know, recently I had a, a time a couple years ago where, uh, you know, I'm in this post-grad stage of life and uh, that was like a unique experience too. And many of you who are in that, like that can be a very, very challenging season as you're trying to reorient, find what your community looks like and careers and all of those things. And I was never one that like, I didn't choose to go into education originally for the money. You know, that's not why I did it. Every teacher in here laughed like, amen, yeah. Um, that's not why I did it. I wasn't concerned with those things. I felt called to do that. And I remember one, uh, one summer I was having lunch with a couple of my buddies who were uh, in business and um, both of these guys very smart uh, and had really just been killing it. And I knew what they were making. I knew what they were doing and what they had accomplished. And I remember feeling like this sense of like, I shouldn't be sitting at this table like, and then I had this doubt of like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And something that I never thought would bother me, how much money I'm making, like this, this made like me feel a lack of confidence. So it can happen in any, any season, in any circumstance. And I think if we took a realistic look out of it, all of us would say, I would love to be a confident person. I would love to have just a genuine confidence about me. One of the things that's troublesome with that is our culture now and where we're at in society doesn't exactly make that easy. I mean, think about this. There was a time in the world when you would not have seen yourself very much. You didn't have access to a mirror. Like guys, when the mirror was invented, not just everybody had one. That was something that the upper class people had. But there was a time where people saw themselves in like reflections of water or shiny metals. There was no mirror. There was no photographs, no videos. But now we think about that. It's like we can, we see so many pictures of ourselves. More than any other generation ever has in the history of the world, we see more pictures and videos and we're, we're, we're seeing ourselves more. We're thinking about ourselves more often. And our society, like because of that, it, it's easy to become a little bit more self-absorbed. And I think about this as like not only that, that we see ourselves more, we also see what other people are doing more. Most of you have a, a phone and you think about what's the, what do you spend your first three minutes of your day doing? 
A lot of times it's on your phone. What do you spend the last three minutes of your day doing? A lot of time it's on your phone and you're seeing what other people are doing. You have access to see the lives that people are living around the world. The world is smaller than it's ever been before. And so that comparison game starts. It's like, man, am I achieving enough? Am I doing enough? Do I look like this? Do I look like that? All these things we're seeing. And, and so those things coupled together can make it tough to be confident sometimes. It can make it to where it's like, do I have anything to offer? Do I, I even like, you know, do I even appreciate myself? Like I don't like the way that I look. I don't like the way that I am. And those are things that are challenging. And I would say that it's a spiritual battle that if you're not fighting back against it, you need to start fighting back against it because there is a God in heaven who can give you genuine confidence, not confidence that is just based on, hey, I got a great haircut this week, or hey, I'm having, I'm having um, a good week at work and people respect me, like, and I have confidence because of that, not situational confidence, but confidence that is rooted in God. It's God who can give genuine confidence. And we're gonna go through three different passages tonight. And I've got a point with each of these passages. And all of these are, are, are things that are true. Uh, they're not necessarily all building on each other, but they're things that are, are true in terms of like when we're dealing with our confidence. And, and we're gonna look at three reasons why you might be lacking confidence in your life. And the first reason that you might be lacking confidence is because you're doubting the creator. You might be doubting the creator. I wanna go back uh, and just kind of, if you can nerd out with me a little bit, let's jump into some Bible um, right here and, and kind of talk about what's going on in the book of Isaiah. We're gonna be in chapter 45, verse nine, but let's kind of set the context so this is important and uh, kind of stick with me for a second. So when we look at scripture, we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. The Old Testament is the time before Christ, right? This is in the book of Isaiah is written 700 years before the New Testament, 700 years before Jesus, the Son of God, comes to live a, a life here on earth, right, in the flesh. Isaiah was written 700 years before the coming of Jesus. And much of the Old Testament is this. It's God's relationship with a chosen people, the Israelite people. Why did he choose the Israelites? I don't know, but he chose them. He had a unique and special relationship with them. He interacted the, with them in a unique and special way. Some crazy things that the people of Israel got to see. But here's the story of the Old Testament. The Israelite people are obedient to God. The Israelite people are disobedient. The Israelite people are obedient to God. The Israelite people are disobedient. You kind of see this back and forth that happens. And in Isaiah, Isaiah is a prophet. And all a prophet is, if you see this in scripture, a prophet was someone who spoke the truth of God's word. So Isaiah, on behalf of God, was speaking truth to the Israelite people, not only for the present, but making predictions about what would happen in the future. And so at the beginning of Isaiah, um, what, what Isaiah is telling the Israelite people is, hey, because you are worshiping idols, false gods, because you are worshiping idols and because you are oppressing the poor people of Israel, the people who don't have wealth or status, because you're oppressing the poor and because you're pursuing idols, that's gonna lead to your judgment and destruction. This is what Isaiah is telling the people of Israel that is gonna happen. And it's gonna come, this oppression is gonna come through another nation, the nation of Babylon. 
So the Babylonian empire, the Babylonian army is going to be what God uses to judge the Israelite people because they refuse to turn from what they're doing. So Isaiah has warned the Israelite people of this. And within a couple of hundred years, it actually happens where the Babylonians come, they take the Israelites and the Israelites, God's people are in exile in Babylon. And so this is kind of where we pick up in Isaiah 45. And what's happening here is the people are in exile. But once again, God has promised, the book of Isaiah is crazy. Can I just say that, by the way? It's, it's a lot, right? It's a long book. And uh, I would encourage you, there's these resources by the Bible Project. And you can watch these eight-minute videos, and they describe the book in detail and depth. So if you're wanting to dive further into that, do it. It's awesome. You won't regret it. It's the Bible Project. Um, they're really good. But Isaiah, basically what's happening here is the people of Israel are in exile at this point. But God has promised them, if they've been in this captivity, hey, I'm going to send a king who's going to liberate you from your oppression. And so God in scripture names King Cyrus of Persia, a country that is foreign to the people of Israel, that this will be the king who delivers the people of Israel from Babylon. And so God kind of knows the heart of the Israelite people. And he's like, man, are you, are you guys, you, you know, he knows that there's often questioning that goes along with it. And so he kind of gets ahead of the questioning of the Israelite people of like, why would you send a foreign king to liberate us? Maybe they would have a hard time believing that. Maybe they would doubt the plan of God. This is what it says in Isaiah 45, 9. It says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop what you're doing? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? How clumsy can you be? And so right here we have this analogy here where we have the potter and the clay, right? God is the one who is forming us. We are the clay. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's the one who created us. And he's telling the Israelite people, hey, are you going to argue with me? Are you going to argue with me? Are you going to, is the pot going to say to the, is the pot going to say to me who created it? Like, what are you doing? How clumsy can you be? And when I think about this, it's like, man, when we look at ourselves, are we going to go to God as our creator, as our father, the one who knitted us together in our mother's womb, who created us? Are we going to go to him in our lack of confidence and say what he created is not good? Are we going to argue with the sovereign will of God and say, hey, God, I don't like these things about me. You didn't do this right. When we think about it like that, it seems kind of crazy, right? But when we buy into the lie or when we make an idol of ourself, this is what's happening. We're arguing with God, the creator, who's omniscient, he's all-knowing, who's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omnipresent, he's here with us right now, here with every person in the world. Are we gonna argue with him? that what he created isn't good? I love that, it says, does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? And I do think it's kind of that serious that when we are speaking so negatively towards ourselves or we're so upset with who we are and we lack confidence because we don't like things about us, we're kind of in turn saying, God, like, are you clumsy when you made me? And I think about this, and I don't know what your relationship with your father was like, um, but I, I just like love the picture of God being the father 
and creating us and making us. And one thing that's helped me to understand that is when I look at my own children. Now, my own children are not perfect. I've got uh, my son Cash, who's gonna be two in September, and my son, or, and my daughter Nova, who's gonna be four in December. And I just love them so much. They are far from perfect. My son has the head the size of a Jimmy Neutron, all right? He, I hope he doesn't see this one day, man, but it, thing's huge. But I love him still, all right? He's awesome. You see him bebobbing around and he kind of looks like he's off balance because he is. He got a big head. But I love him still. And he's perfect to me. Like I, I love that he is my son. I wouldn't change anything about him. I wouldn't change anything about my daughter. And that is just a glimpse. Like that love that I have for my kids is simply a glimpse into the way that God feels about you. Because I'm sinful. I'm a broken person. I'm not a perfect father. But God is a perfect heavenly father who created you on purpose, for a purpose, and he loves you. You know, we just sang in that song, you love me just the way I am. Like God loves you right now in this moment, regardless of your past, regardless of what you came here with, whatever, he loves you right now. And that should give us a genuine confidence. So I would wonder if you, if you struggle with that or you find yourself in a season struggling with confidence, are you doubting your creator? The second reason you might be um, kind of doubting in your life is perhaps you have the wrong perspective. Maybe your perspective is off a little bit. And what do we mean by that? How, how do we lack perspective sometimes? I was just talking to a guy today, I was just encouraging him. I'm like, man, anytime in our lives we get God out of that top spot, it's not gonna go well for us. But like we mentioned earlier, in our society, in our time, it's so easy to put ourselves at the top we have to constantly be asking ourselves, like, am I doing everything for me or is God at that top spot in my life? Because anytime we put ourselves above God, our thoughts, our feelings, like we're putting all that and weighing it against God, we're creating an idol in our lives. An idol is anything we're putting ahead of God. And I think one thing that is plaguing our society so much is that we have made this huge idol of self. We've made such a big idol of self. And what are the warning signs that you can see that maybe you've kind of got this idol of self going on? I think the first one is going back to week one. We talked about how you really have to take your thoughts and feelings and you have to apply the truth of God's word to them. So if you're never doing that, if you're never looking at the way you think and the way you feel and you're applying the truth of God's word, then maybe you're making an idol out of your own thoughts and your own feelings. Because I know that in my own heart, I need to apply the truth of God's word to my life in order to be emotionally healthy. And think about this, like not only that, but what is driving the decisions you make? Have y'all ever had, uh, and you just think of it, it's like, man, did I pray through that? Did I even ask God? How many big decisions and even little decisions are we making that we don't even go to God with? And I feel convicted of this because uh, I'm the type of person who I'm like, I'm ready to make an, I can form an opinion so fast. Like I can develop an opinion on something that doesn't matter so quickly and be so convinced. It's like, man, have I even processed through the way I'm thinking and feeling? Have I even processed through the decisions that I'm making and invited God into the equation? It's so important that we invite God into the equation to recognize, man, okay, am, am I just the only? Because if I'm left to my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own decision-making, and I'm never inviting God into the equation, I've got the idol of self going on. 
And we have to constantly monitor that. The second warning sign of maybe you've got the idol of self is are you focused on things that are temporary or are you focused on things that are eternal? Can you think right now of the last thing that robbed you of your confidence? Can you think of the biggest thing in your life that has been a killer to your self-esteem? And would you ask yourself the question, in light of eternity, does it really matter? In light of eternity, does it matter where I grew up? In light of eternity, does it matter, I mean, being super simple, like does it matter that I don't look good today? In light of eternity, does it matter that I don't like the style that I have? Like in light of eternity, these things that we worry about, they rob us of our self-esteem, whether it's our physical appearance or the things that we don't like about ourselves, in light of eternity, do those things matter? Do those things matter? I remember I had a pastor whenever I was a freshman and I was going through that time, point me to Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And uh, it's just been like an anchor verse for me since then, and, or, or passage. And it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And when we start to do that, and in the morning time, and in the evening, and instead of just consuming something, what if we started to turn our focus on the realities of heaven, on the things of heaven, and I think our perspective would begin to switch and would begin to change. Man, think about the things of heaven, not simply the things of earth. You know, you look at, at what maybe you're worried about, and I think about like the influencers right now who are, uh, you know, that are so popular and whatever, and there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Like I don't root against anybody having more influence or whatever it is, but like are there, is the reason they're an, even an influencer, does it even matter? Like it's God who gives worth and value to all of those things. And what's so important about this passage, as you see it at the start, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. That's evidence that there's a new relationship going on. And I would, I would almost guarantee if you're having trouble with confidence and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is the pinpoint of your struggle. Because it's God who makes a new life for you in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, a new has come. You have a new life in Christ. And because of that, it gives you a genuine confidence. Why would you think about the realities of heaven? Because you know that one day you'll be in heaven. That's what a relationship with Jesus gives you. That's why you can be confident and unshaken in situations and circumstances and trials and tribulations because of the hope that you have in Jesus, knowing that in eternity, you're gonna spend eternity with God, your creator, in a place with no weeping, no hurting, and no pain. I can't even begin to describe how good heaven is gonna be. My earthly mind, I can't fathom what it's gonna be like, right? but it's gonna be a lot more than just sitting on a cloud and hanging out for eternity. And it's like, man, when you have that, you won't be shaken. And that's why when you see somebody who's lost a loved one and they're still so anchored, they still have so much hope, they still have so much confidence in life because they knew where that person was going. That's why you see that, that's why that exists, that's why that happens. 
And because of this, we can set our mind on the things of heaven and we have a reality that our reality is not crushed every time we've been hurt, every time we've heard something we don't like or we see something about ourselves we don't like because we're anchored in our creator. The third reason you might be um, lacking confidence is that you're forgetting where power comes from. And uh, a few weeks ago, we were in 2 Corinthians, uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians. And this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth here. And in this kind of end of the the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is kind of giving a a plea of like, hey, this is why I'm an apostle. This is why I'm uh, somebody who is out and doing the work of ministry, doing the work of Jesus. And if you don't know, Paul is one of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time, wrote a ton of the New Testament. And uh, I mean, he's a big deal, right? And this is what he has to say. He had this thorn in his flesh. And biblical scholars have been trying to figure out what this thorn meant for a long time. There's some good ideas out there of what it may have been, but nobody knows for sure. We won't know on this side of eternity what that thorn was that plagued Paul. But we do know this is that he wanted it gone. And he talks about this in 2 Corinthians. And if you're struggling with confidence, this passage should give you great hope. It says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, guess what? If you're in this room tonight, you have weaknesses. You're not good at everything and you're never gonna be the you're never gonna be great at everything that you do. You're gonna have weaknesses. Maybe you have limitations. Maybe you have uh, something that you were born with that holds you back. Maybe you have some sort of something that's going on health-wise that you can't get rid of. Maybe you just don't like this about yourself and it makes you feel weak and worthless. But what does Paul say here? He says, I'm actually gonna boast in my weaknesses because Christ is powerful within me. That's a great hope to hold on to. Our confidence isn't shaken when we have that. What does God say? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know why I don't have to be the best at everything? Because God doesn't need me to be. You know what God cares about more than your ability is your availability. I don't have to be the best at everything. You know, sometimes uh, it's funny because when when you preach, you know, sometimes you you feel this pressure. There's always a pressure to get God's word right. Like I always want to make sure we're getting God's word right. But I should always preach with a great confidence. When people ask me like, man, does it make you nervous? Does it, does it, yeah, like there's nerves that come along with it. But the truth is, is like, I don't matter. God's word is what carries the power. You hear people who have, who have gotten saved from hearing the, the most, you know, that someone has fumbled over uh, the bridge illustration. Someone has fumbled through sharing the gospel with them and they still accept Christ. You know why? It's because the power of Christ is still working. That God's word doesn't return void and it won't return void in your life either. 
And you know, I think a practical example of this is, as we kind of close here, um, there's a missionary we support at High Street, and his name is Jamie Alexander, and he is uh, part of an organization uh, called Crew. And what they do is they go on campuses, and they share the hope of Jesus with people. And I mean, you got to be confident to do this job because it's hard. They're going out and just talking to random people and, and sharing the gospel with them and building relationships. And the funny thing about Jamie is I knew Jamie when he was a freshman in college. I was uh, in college at High Street at the same time. And Jamie is one of my favorite people because he's now with Crew. But when he was a freshman, I texted him today and I said, hey man, can I share your story? Because it's just such an encouragement to me. I said, hey, hey, can I, can I share your story? Because when Jamie was a freshman, he described himself as this, shy, quiet. You know, Jamie would be the last person, if I'm being honest with you, he would have been the last person I would have ever picked to do the job he's doing now. I never would have seen him doing that. He said, I would walk across campus and uh, if someone new started talking to me, I would talk to them, but I never wanted to keep a conversation going. Like I was always looking to avoid the conversation. And I, I had a few close friends, but I wasn't trying to connect with other people. And as I hear him tell this, it's just like, I saw that in him too. I never would have saw that Jamie had the ability to now be someone that is out sharing the gospel on a daily basis, building relationships, discipling other men. And just like when I see Jamie now, there's this new confidence. I don't even know how to describe it, but there's this new confidence he has because of the spiritual growth that he's experienced. And I look at Jamie and you know what I'm reminded of? I didn't see the ability, but God did. I didn't see the ability that Jamie had, but God saw it and God working in his life. That's the mission and the purpose he has for him. So Jamie and being obedient, God's provided him everything he's needed to be successful at what he's doing. And he wants to do the same exact, same, same exact thing for you. You probably, there's a good chance maybe you can't even see the abilities that God has given you yet. But that's where faith comes into play is when you step out in faith, you get to see, God, what can you use me for? What can you do? Your story might be like Jamie's. I don't know what God wants to do through you, but he wants to do something. And where he doesn't want you at is lacking confidence, lacking hope, not liking where you are. So maybe tonight needs to be a reset that you start taking the battle back and saying, I want that genuine confidence that God gives. I'd ask you guys to bow your heads with me. Maybe you're in here tonight and 